people first organizations will win in the future of work. Your only real asset is your people. We, we all, all want purpose-driven work. work. HR-led organization is I'm the sorry, but leaders don't lead empty desks and empty shop floors. Welcome to the People Strategy Leaders Show. I'm your host, Sri Chalapa, founder and president of Engagedly, and a serial entrepreneur in technology, films, and music. This is where we talk to people leaders, business strategists, and organizational savants about leading in the time of change. What is working, what is not working, and more importantly, what we should be thinking about. Stick around to the end of the show. We will reveal how you can be our next guest. And now, let's engage. Hello again, this is Sri Chalapa with People Strategy Leaders Podcast, and we are back today with Kevin Herring. Kevin Herring is the founder of Ascent Management Consulting and a recognized expert in team and business unit turnarounds. He's a creator of the 90-Day Turnaround, a unique program for building great leaders and transforming any work group into a highly engaged, high-performing team in just 90 days. Kevin is a consultant, executive coach, published author, and a keynote speaker. He has been published and quoted in Forbes, CFO, Talent Management, Workforce, and HR Executive, among others. Well, welcome to the show, Kevin. It's such a pleasure to have you. Well, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. So, you know, I, I really like this uh, area you focus on, you know, turnarounds, 90-day turnaround. I mean, that's obviously very aggressive. And we always talk about a 100-day plan when a new president takes over and whatnot. Mm -hmm. I think the subject that I want to talk about today, and we were just chatting before this podcast, you know, part of the turnaround, a turnaround can be part of a process where a company is not doing so well, or maybe the economic climate changed, or the competitive landscape changed, and the company has to do a turnaround, or maybe there's a new leader. And part of that sometimes, not always, but sometimes and many times actually leads to layoffs in organizations. Um, and when layoffs happen, obviously people get affected both emotionally and in, in many cases, financially for the people who are let go. Uh, but one thing that we were you know, talking about is, you know, what about the people who are left behind? It affects them as well. Um, so can, you, can we talk about, you know, as part of this turnaround plan and, and the layoffs that might happen, what can a leader do to keep the team together and motivate them so that he doesn't lose, lose the people who are left behind? That's a great question, Sri. It's, it's really tough when, um, no matter how you do it, even if you do it really well, you have a layoff situation and you have to let some people go. The people left behind uh, are emotionally distraught often from just the whole experience. It's a very difficult time. And yet you need those people to sort of you know, rally around the cause, the new direction of the organization or whatever it is that you're, you need to do to be successful. And... Um, uh, I, I think there are, there are a couple of things that are really important there. One is is how you conduct the layoff itself. I mean, that whole process can be very difficult, and often it's done with a lot of secretive um, conversations and uh, inauthenticity. People not uh, really being very open about what's happening and why it's happening, and uh, and so people who are left behind are misled about what the purpose is and why people were let go. And those who left often uh, don't understand. And so we always want to treat people really well, help them to get on the right bus, make it an easy transition for them, obviously, and to be very transparent about why we're doing this. You know, what is it that the company needs to do? What has driven us to make this very difficult decision uh, so that those who are left behind understand there's a purpose 
and and there's a direction that's important for the survival of the business. And so uh, I think transparency, authenticity in the conversations, very critical. And I'll give you a, a quick example of one uh, client I worked with. Um, uh, I, and this is sort of an after the fact. So I had come to work with them about five years after they had a, a reduction in force and they, they didn't trust the current CEO. And I asked, what was behind this distrust for the CEO? And they said, well, we had an end of the year meeting and, and, the, and the CEO told us about how we had a tough year, but we had a great future ahead of us and uh, anticipating much, much higher sales and revenue. And the following week, they laid off a third of the workforce. And so, wow. yeah. Wow. Uh, a third. <laughs> right, a third. So it was, it was uh, it, you know, for those who were left behind, um, that was seared in their memories. Uh, they had no confidence in the CEO, no trust whatsoever. Uh, and, and it was very difficult to, to pull those folks together and, and rally around a new direction. Um, um, uh, in contrast, uh, let me talk about a, a business that did it right. Um, and so this business brought everybody together. They were fretting over, the leaders were fretting over the fact that they were going to have to lay some people off. They didn't know what to do. And so we uh, pulled in all the stakeholders. And this was a unionized organization. So we brought in some of the union leaders and we said, look, here's what's going on. Uh, we're, we have done so many good things in this organization to bring people together. And now we're faced with this, uh, this turnaround in the economy that uh, we have to respond to very quickly. Um, we really don't want to lay anybody off, but uh, we've got to think about uh, some creative solutions if we're going to avoid that. And they did. They came up with... Um, some creative solutions. They found they had some um, some things that were overfunded, and so they were able to pull from that source. They uh, did a lot of creative things to keep things going. They did end up laying a small number of people off, but those people, because of the transparency, because of the effort to save people, fully understood why were treated well, had uh, uh, had some help in transitioning to another organization, so that they weren't just sort of thrown out the door. And the people who were left were so impressed with how the leaders managed that difficult situation and how they kept them in the loop were so open about everything that it was easy for them to then move forward instead of being uh, stuck in the anxiety around that whole situation. So yeah. transparency yeah. is key, being open about what's going on, telling the why, creating the big picture understanding is really essential if we're gonna rally yeah. people around the new direction. Yeah. And, you know, I was looking at what Disney was doing, right? It's an iconic American brand. People love working for Disney, or at least they did. I don't know about today, but they did. And they were having lots of challenges. You know, Bob Iger stepped in after Chapek, um apparently wasn't uh, doing the right job or whatever right. you want to call it. And, and Bob Iger, one of the first things he did within maybe a couple of months, I think, is, uh, you know, announced the layoffs and he laid off, uh, or at least the uh, memo was 7,000 people right. were going to lay off. And, and I, I actually read that memo, uh, at least I perused through it. And one of the things that stood out is the transparency in that memo, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't know if you got a chance to read the memo or if you had a chance to, you know, read about that news article. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, he, one of the things he said, it's going to be difficult. Even going forward, it's going to be difficult. It's not going to be easy road ahead. And 7,000 people is obviously not a small number. 
Um, and Disney needs people to be motivated because without that, they don't get the next Toy Story or the next, you know, right. uh, big Star Wars film because it it is it is not something you can just do if you're unmotivated right. as an organization, you know. And you can't just swap in and swap out people because these are special people who make these movies that are special for a lot of you know for mm-hmm. for for all of us. So how do you think that went over? And do you think what Bob Iger is doing is motivating in your point of view? I think that helps a lot. The authenticity where, you know, that that he showed when he expressed that it's not going to be easy, it's going to be difficult. You know, he was very open about that. And people often don't want to say that as as managers or as leaders, we often feel like our role is to spin things to the positive. And I'll give you a great example. I worked with an organization and and uh, uh, the uh, uh, it was a software development group in this organization we're working with a client. They had a what they described as an impossible task. It was a two-year project, and the uh, requirements were just uh, unable to be met. And they said they knew that up front, but they were sort of pressured into it by the leaders of the organization. Said, "No, you're going to do this, and you got to find a way." And people were pretty discouraged. Well, the the leader of the organization. Uh, said that uh, she every time she had a team meeting, it was difficult because she got up and told people how we're going to be able to do it. We're going to meet the deadlines. And everybody knew that wasn't the case. And she said, but what else can I do? That's isn't that my role as a leader? And I said, well, let's talk about that. What what if you were more transparent and authentic about your own feelings? And uh, she said, well, but that's that'll that's a downer. That's going to depress everybody and they'll be unmotivated. And I said, no, people are responsible for their own motivation. You can't you aren't motivating anybody. They all they all know that 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 you're not going to meet the objectives of this project and you're losing credibility every time you tell them otherwise. Um, She said, what's the alternative? I said, well, be authentic, be open about the fact that that there's a tremendous amount of doubt in your ability to meet those objectives and then rally them around some kind of a breakthrough. And so she did that. She got up together and she said, okay, I want to be honest about this. I've been, I've been telling you we're going to do this and you know, we're not. And I've been doing that because I felt like that was my role as a leader that I had to make this happen. But she said, I I, I understand differently that that's not really doing you any favors. I I really need to be open and honest with you. And I'm concerned. I'm just as stressed as you are about this. But I also see possibilities. There are some some pieces of this project that have been incredible. We've made tremendous progress. I think we should focus on those. Let's get together and let's find some tremendous breakthroughs that we can really put in front of the client knowing that we're not going to be able to fully satisfy their requirements. But let's see if we can show them what we can really do for them and be prepared for that. And so the the deadline was nearing. And so they rallied together and they did. They created some incredible breakthroughs. And when they presented to the customer, they apologized and said, you know, we just couldn't, uh, we couldn't do what you asked us to do. And we feel terrible about it. Here's what we focused on. Here's what we've accomplished. And the customer said, you know what? I, I knew you couldn't. I didn't expect you to, but I'm really impressed with what you've done. And uh, and I want to I want to extend this contract and let's set it up now for uh, something that's realistic that's really going to give us what we need. And I think that 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 openness, that authenticity, really rallied the troops around some great contribution they were able to create. Yeah, and in this case, they were lucky to have a customer who understood that and didn't. They were, <laughs> you know, and, and, and didn't uh, take advantage of the fact that uh, they didn't meet their obligations. Right. 
in in a, in a way. Um, you know, one thing you mentioned before we were started talking about uh, intrinsic versus extrinsic motivators. So, can you talk to me a little bit about more about what is the difference between the two specifically? Maybe some examples, and what do you see in really work? Yeah, there's so much talk about uh, our need to motivate people and to find out what is motivating for them. And we're always always talking about extrinsic motivators when we do that. Like who who needs praise? Who wants praise? Who wants a, a, a more time off? Who wants a bonus or you know whatever it is? Um, and yet, when we when we look at uh, a team of say 15, 20, however many people. Uh, trying to figure out what the one extrinsic motivator is that really uh, connects their their uh, wires to you know their neurotransmitters to the right you know motivators is is kind of ridiculous. That's just really not practical. And and extrinsic motivators are not the things that drive high levels of commitment and accountability anyway. If we want people to really be passionate about the work and and um, be excited about what they can contribute and how they can contribute to the team's success, then we have to tap what I believe is already an inherent intrinsic motivation that people bring with them to work. And, um, and that's, a, that's sort of a different matter. If we're going to, to really tap uh, high levels of engagement, then we have to be able to give people things like the big picture and an uh, understanding of the business, more business literacy and how they connect to it. And the things that really uh, enable them to have control over the methods and the means of the work, the decision-making, the ability to apply their expertise to get the work done and to solve problems and satisfy the customer and, and all those kinds of things. Those are the things that really motivate people. And so if we don't create that kind of an environment, that kind of a workplace for people to operate in, then we're, we're leaving a lot of productivity, a lot of motivation on the table. Yeah. You know, I think one of the things that you mentioned, I will I will actually paraphrase it this way, is that leaders often think under underestimate their employees. Mm-hmm. And they don't treat them as adults who can understand that things are difficult. They can see it, like you said, with that software development. They can see that this is not gonna happen. They're not gonna sure. meet the deadlines. But so either A, they're like, okay, well, I guess I'm gonna just pretend I'm dumb. <laughs> like my leader, leader believes me that I don't know what's going on and I don't know it's gonna not going to be met and foolishly believe. And in and, and some cases, they do foolishly believe that this can be met. There are some employees like that, but majority of them hopefully are not in your organization. Mm-hmm. I think give them more credit than, yeah. than, than, um, than you do as a leader and be transparent. I think that builds credibility, authenticity to be vulnerable saying, you know, sometimes even I don't have the answers and it's okay to say that as a leader. And I think, to that extent, it can motivate people because then they feel like, okay, I actually can be helpful here. And I, you know, that person respects me enough to be vulnerable. Yeah. And when we hire people, do we hire them thinking they're not capable? I mean, certainly we hired them for a reason. So we believe they have capabilities, they have expertise to help with the business. I think one of the problems is that we think of people too much in terms of the tasks that we're going to assign them instead of thinking them as a business person I'm bringing into the organization to help the business overall to be successful. So when you think of a sports team, for instance, a professional sports, which is a business, when they bring a player into the team, sure, they're focused on a particular role that that player is going to 
to play on the team, but they're also looking for somebody who can help the team overall to succeed because they have a, they have a broad perspective of the game and an understanding of how the team needs to work together. And if they don't have that capability, then they're all working in silos and teams don't gel well that way. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. And, and that's the same in the business world or in uh, non-sports world as well. Yeah. And sometimes being a vulnerable and saying that, you know, look, we might go down fighting on this. We may not mm -hmm. win, but I want all of us to give it the best shot. And that can be motivating. Even if you know that you're fighting from a losing position, you're on the bottom of the hill, the enemy's on the top of the hill. You're going to have this uphill battle where you're just raining bows and arrows uh, and spears down you and you're, and you're climbing Absolutely. the mountain. And, uh, and that can be motivating because you're like, I trust you to, you know, and I'll have your back. We had a, a company years ago, I, I, uh, before I went into consulting, worked for a showcase company, a showcase turnaround, a Magma Copper Company. And, uh, and that was exactly what happened. It was a company that was on the brink of extinction and uh, who brought all the, the union leaders together, brought managers together and had large uh, group events with employees to say, um, if we're going to survive, we have to do something dramatically different. Um, and there's the possibility we won't succeed. It's a question of what we're willing to do and how successful we are at executing whatever it is that we decide we need to do going forward. And they became very transparent, opened up the books to the employees, to let people see the, the state of the business, built high levels of business literacy uh, among all the employees at all levels and uh, worked with the union leaders to come together and say, okay, let's, let's work out a plan. And, and that's what saved the company. And they went from the brink of distinction of extinction to becoming a Wall Street darling. And uh, just a great story. But, but that's what it takes is, you know, no guarantees about the future because we can't control that. But what we can control is our response to the current situation. Yeah, yeah. And I often see, you know, I'm a big sports fan. Uh, and I also study military history. Those two are very good ana analogies uh, mm -hmm. for businesses. And you sometimes see how teams at the brink of defeat suddenly get the surge of energy and they have this turnaround in the last inning. You know, they need five more runs to win and they just somehow make it. And it's like, yep. almost like they were sleeping on the wheel for the first eight innings and suddenly <laughs> the last inning, they were, they're like a different team altogether. Yeah. Like what motivated them? And I think that's true for organizations because ultimately it's, just, it's people. And how do you motivate people where they can suddenly, suddenly be these superheroes that can come from behind and, yeah, and a, a big part of this is the connectedness of the team members to each other, right? They, they have to be connected and they can't really be connected in a meaningful way unless they all have the big picture. And so it's a, it's a great example is I think on the football field, if a, if a loose ball bouncing around the field, what happens? Does, do people just look around and hope the right person picks it up? Or, or does everybody understand what's at stake and, and, and jumps into action to make sure that that broken play turns out to be an advantage for the team. And so somebody picks it up, everybody, they block for each other. Uh, they advance the ball. I mean, everybody sort of understands what has to happen and they rally together to, to, to execute it, to make it happen. And uh, same at the, as you're talking about the, the last few innings of the game or something, or at the last couple of minutes of the, of the basketball game or whatever it is, you know, people, uh, they start connecting in more meaningful ways. They start uh, uh, recognizing what needs to be done. 
And what we find in business, it's amazing how few uh, people in, in businesses even understand the end product that they produce. Some have never even seen the end product, right? right? Um, and they often don't understand the competition, the competitive environment, the marketplace that they operate in. They don't understand what's at stake. Uh, they don't understand the advantages and disadvantages of the, the different players uh, in, the, in the game. And, um, and, they, and because of that, it's hard for them to connect personally to it, to really see, have a personal stake in it. Mm-hmm. And so we have to create that first. And, and even then, now, if I'm working with a team of people, just like I'm on a sports team, uh, I need to understand what each individual on the team does and what's essential for them to be able to produce whatever it is they produce for the organization. And so that I can know what they need from me and they know what I need from them. And we have some promises around that. We have some commitments to each other around those things. Just a, that, that makes a huge difference. It's very powerful in getting people connected, united, and, uh, and integrated as a truly um, uh, in, in interdependent group of people working in the interest of the whole instead of a bunch of siloed individuals pursuing yes. their own self-interest. Yes. Yeah, I think people do better. Not I think. I think it's very clear that people do better when there's expectation on the other side mm-hmm. of some sort or a commitment on the other side that I have to do this, do something. Otherwise, this, I'm going to let this other person down. Um, and you end up actually doing more in that context than if you had to do it for your own self. Right. Yeah. And so it's a commitment to each individual. It's a commitment to the team as a whole. And so we're, we're interdependent, you know, we're dependent on each other and we understand how each is, is essential to the success of the whole. Yeah. I wish organizations would be, and I think we are getting more and more there. So I'm not saying we're going the wrong direction, but obviously there's more work to be done. I feel organizations need to be more transparent about their business objectives and their business purpose and their goals you know, a lot of progressive organizations like technology companies like us, and we mm-hmm. obviously do that. Um, but there are a lot of other companies where they don't make a, their business objectives and their goals transparent, saying this is objective of our, our organization. And I think that's why a lot of organizations have started adopting OKRs and goal setting and things like that, yeah. that have that clear line of alignment to the top and have the transparency and accountability, which, which it goes both ways. The management sure. is accountable for giving them a clear vision and an attainable goal, not some pie in the sky, you know, nonsense mm-hmm. vision that you can't ever achieve. You know, it's like some fledgling retailer saying we are going to beat Walmart, you know? Right. <laughs> you know okay. <laughs> okay. Fine. Maybe someday, but probably not in the next no, not, five not years. This year. <laughs> yeah, not this not, year. Not this year. So, um, but anyway, well, this has been a great conversation, Kevin. I do want to uh, call out one thing that you said you have a tool that aligns people with purpose and commitments. Can you talk a little bit about the tool and where people can find that tool? Yeah. So we have found that in order for people to be better connected as a team and connected to the bigger picture, it's helpful for them to have sort of a, we call it a speed dating exercise where they, they get to meet with one-on-one with each other individual, uh, each other member of the team and learn better what that person does and needs from them and for them to be able to learn what uh, or help the other person learn what what they need from you know from the other person so that they have uh, a pretty clear understanding of what they need to do to work better together and to create some breakthroughs for the team and and so they make promises around to each other around those 
those things that they've learned and uh, and understand what each other needs. And so this tool is really just a, a step-by-step process for creating that experience, that event, to be able to do that in a team. And we find people say this is so powerful. They, 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 they're amazed at how much they learned. They thought they already knew, but how much knew that they learn. A lot of light bulbs go on and uh, they work better together. And most people, after they do that experience, say they want to do it again every month or which is probably too frequent, but, but you know, they want to do it more frequently, more regularly. Uh, and so we've created this tool and made it available to people. It's the same process we use with clients uh, so that they can use it in their own teams. Uh, so we call it a five steps to higher productivity. Uh, it's on our website. We've got ascentmanagement.com slash five steps to higher productivity with hyphens in between the words. Uh, okay. And, uh, that'll get them there. So Kevin, uh, how can people find you and learn more about what your work and, and more about this tool, obviously, but your other, uh, you know, the consulting that you do. Yeah. I encourage people to go to the website, ascentmgt.com short for management. So ascentmanagement.com. Um, you can find me on uh, LinkedIn at, uh, it's uh, the 90 day turnaround is, is uh, my profile. And, uh, and I'm posting regularly on there, uh, a lot of tips and, and things to help people to be able to lead their teams and build greater teams and raise their productivity. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Kevin. This has been a pleasure. We need to get back uh, again for a different podcast and talk more about the 90 day turnaround that you, that you talk about. Uh, Love but, to do uh, that. Yeah, that will be another interesting discussion. And I look forward to that. And maybe in a few months, we can do that. Uh, thank thanks you. again. Yeah, thanks again, Kevin. Yeah, thanks for having me. Until next time. Okay. Shri Chalapa here. Thank you so much for listening to the People Strategy Leaders Podcast. If you are a successful leader or a people strategist who would like to be on this program, please visit engagedly.com slash people strategy leaders podcast. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag people strategy leaders. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Follow me on LinkedIn and Twitter at Sri Chalapa. Thanks for listening. We will see you next time. And thank you to Patrick Ramsey, sound engineer at Kalinga Production Studios for recording and mixing this show.